Welcome back to the Relative Podcast. Starting on Monday, it is July 10th. I'm your co-host, Jared Mintz. Joining me on this lovely summer morning is my co-host, Joseph Nardone. Joe, how was your weekend? It was tremendous. It was the best weekend. Jared, you can ask anybody. You know what they would tell you? What would they tell me? It was the best weekend ever. Now, do you only say that when you didn't have anything good to talk about over the weekend, or is that kind of just like a, a it gets triggered? Like, how does that happen? And I didn't mean I didn't mean trigger the way other people would use trigger when we're having that conversation. But like, where where does that come from? It's when I don't have like a really fun, exciting weekend. Fair enough. That, that's what I was thinking. And follow up question: Will you be watching the home run derby tonight or the MLB All Star Game tomorrow? If you want the guys honest truth, I was unaware either of those things were happening. <laughs> so I'll take that as a no. Uh, I'm definitely going to turn into the home run derby tonight. You got two Yankees in it, and I mean the way Aaron Judge has been hitting the ball—that's that's fun. Joe, I was thinking over the weekend that I might want to like half turn this podcast into a Yankees podcast for a little bit. Well, what's the consensus on that? Uh, the cons- well, I mean, there is going to be no consensus. There's only two of us, and I don't really watch baseball. So it's going to be split down the middle. I can't. I will start watching Yankees. I know where Aaron Judge is, and that's about where my Yankees now stops. I know they have uh, Starling Castro, right? They have him, too. They do have Starling Castro. And, and, I mean, you're, and a good boy, catcher. Yeah, I mean, Gary Sanchez is also in the Home Run Derby tonight. Your boy Clint Frazier, who I'm not sure how long he was with the Rail Riders, but I know he passed through AAA. He's been knocking the cover off the ball these last couple games, so he he's up with the team, too. Uh, you, you should be a Yankee fan, Joe. Do it. Well, you know, generally when people come through the Rail Riders system, they're going to come out the other end, polished, excellent, future Hall of Famer. So I'm not surprised about the Clint Frazier information. Sounds good. I don't want to challenge you and ask you how many Hall of Famers actually have played in Scranton Wilkes-Barre, but uh, I'm going to take your word on that one. Sure, I think it's only been a, they've only been the Rare Riders for like eight or nine years now, so it's a small. We don't have enough time to really uh, to really discuss the merits of my Hall of Fame theory. <laughs> All right. Well, moving forward, when the show becomes more of a Yankees podcast, I'll allow you to. Uh, to, you know, to further explain that. To, to I, re- I, re- I honestly can't name one pitcher on the Yankees. C.C. Sabathia, is he still there? He's still a Yankee. Nice. Is he skinny? I mean, he's had a lot of these same... No, he's not skinny. Uh, oh. C.C. Sabathia, I think, was skinny for like 15 days <clears throat> of his baseball career, and then he got back into the Captain Crunch, which I think that that's the rumor, that this guy just sits down and devours boxes of Captain Crunch at a time, which, hey, God bless, right? Oh, I, I kind of like his style. How do you not hurt the top of your mouth if you're just sitting there pounding Captain Crunch, though? Well, maybe you don't think he dips it with water? Or, yeah, water. Milk? Water. Joe doesn't know how to eat cereal. <laughs> Joe is an alien. News, everybody. Uh, all right, let, let's get off this topic. As you mentioned, we don't have a ton of time today, and we do have a few things to get to. Start talking about the Yankees. Let's instead talk about another New York sports team that has a big spot in my heart, even though I wish they didn't. But before we do that, Joe, let's hit some that-don't-look-good music. Seal, you bumpy-faced bastard. Hit the music. It might not be a fault, but maybe it is. The optics don't look good. That don't look good. I was really drunk one night this weekend, and Kiss from a Rose came on, and I was like, I don't think I've ever heard this song drunk. It's tremendous. <laughs> Really? So, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh. Anyway, 
Fun to bring back a segment. Not fun that it's this segment and not fun that we're going to be talking about the Knicks. As you all know, we had Charlie Rosen on a couple weeks ago when the Knicks fired Phil Jackson. Jackson. Phil Jackson as president of basketball operations. They haven't filled the spot yet. Instead, they've had Steve Mills, who was the GM by name for these last couple years and has been within the Knicks organization through the Isaiah Thomas years and then some because James Dolan needs to have familiar faces in his front office. He's been the one that's reportedly been making decisions for the team since the firing. Uh, This obviously resulted in the Knicks throwing about $20 million more than anybody else was willing to offer at Tim Hardaway Jr. last week. And over the weekend, it looked like the Knicks were getting close to coming to an agreement with David Griffin, the exiled Cleveland Cavaliers general manager who reportedly left Cleveland because he wanted a little bit more power. He wanted to do the same with the Knicks because, hey, I mean, this guy built a championship team. Why shouldn't he get the benefit of the doubt over Steve Mills, who's done nothing in the NBA before in terms of making big decisions? But there was a struggle. There was a struggle during the negotiations because the Knicks didn't want to let Allen Houston go as assistant GM. Allen Houston, I can't tell you what he's done for this team besides, again, just be a name in the front office that James Dolan's familiar with. David Griffin didn't like the way things were set up with the Knicks and with James Dolan's meddling. Don't forget, the Knicks also still have Kurt Rambis in tow, which I can't tell you why, but... This is just something that James Dolan does is he gets familiar with guys and he can't let them go and it turns into power struggles. And, you know, you ask guys around the Knicks and they say that these are Dolan's spies or his lackeys or his yes men. And it's one of the reasons the Knicks just seemingly can't get out of their own way. Joe, what do you what do you think of this news that David Griffin won't come to the Knicks because they won't give him, you know, kind of what he's looking for here in terms of power and autonomy? First, I want to say, I wish I had a friend like James Dolan has friends. I mean, man, Steve Mills has been there for 500,000 years, and he hasn't done a single good thing. Um, listen, if you're looking to hire the president of basketball operations or whatever the name of the job title is, and then you won't give him the power that's supposed to go with that job, I really don't know what the space as to say, especially if you're the next. Do you know what I mean? Like, If you're a disaster for 20-some years now, you're not building right, a lot of the like Steve Mills, Alan Houston, like, like I don't, I, I don't really know how what even Alan Houston does, right? Like he might not even, he just might be a figurehead in the whole scheme of things. But Steve he was Mil- with the Knicks, he was with the D League team for the last couple of years, doing what I can't exactly tell you. But again, like you said, you who knows what Alan Houston does? Yeah, and then, but then Steve Mills is uh, the general manager, quotation marks. But he's apparently the one pulling the trigger on the Tim Hardaway stuff. He's also the same guy like a thousand years ago who, I don't know if you ever heard this story, I was recently told, I forget who told it, that when they got Eddie Curry, he walked into a marketing room and said, hey guys, we got the best center in the NBA to get ready to uh, start advertising heavy. And they go, oh, we got Shaq. He goes, no, we got Eddie Curry. <laughs> so, um... I've I mean, never I, heard that story. I thought heard? you were actually going to say he was another one of the people who tried to blackmail Anuka Brown Sanders <laughs> with that whole sexual assault case at the Garden 10 years ago, but how quickly you forget about that. Isaiah is running the Liberty. Yeah. So. No, so um, these guys are like objective disasters, and the thing is, like, I think David Griffin, we're giving him a lot of the benefit of the doubt. Like, we're assuming sure. he's going to be great, but even if he's not, right, like, he has the resume to say, yeah, you give him a you give him give him a four or five year deal and give him the power that's supposed to go with the job, and that's the funniest thing here. Like whatever with David Griffin, right? Because maybe he's great, maybe he's not. Maybe it wouldn't have mattered if the Knicks hired him or not. But you can't have a position where the job's to oversee all the basketball operations and then be like, yeah, we'll give you the job, but we don't actually want you to do anything with it. 
I mean, like, like, what do you want the point? These guys. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Like, see the, all these guys here that has failed us for the last two decades? Don't fire them. They're my boys. Yep, this is just what Dolan does, and I mean, it's 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 why the Knicks are the laughing stock that they are, and I know a lot of Knicks fans look at it and say, what's the big deal, what's the harm, you should still be able to do your job. It's just not how it works, and that's not how it has worked. I mean, what other organization do you look at around the league, and obviously nobody gets speculated the way the Knicks get speculated, but who else keeps failed front office members around? And the Kurt Rambis thing, I mean, whether or not he's making any decisions or he's doing anything this was a Phil Jackson lackey. Like, this is a guy that wasn't getting jobs elsewhere that really just, you know, hitched his wagon to Phil. Phil wanted to give him the head coaching job, and they knew that that'd be a disaster in terms of public approval. Like, I have a hard time believing James Dolan didn't want to just let Phil do it because Phil wanted to do it. I think he knew that the fans would riot if Kurt Rambis became head coach. And it looks like that's kind of what, what Dolan's done is, let me get away with whatever tinkering I could do without it being, you know, an outright riot. Like, I don't know that Isaiah Thomas wouldn't be the GM of this team already if, if Dolan knew that the fans wouldn't, you know, take it. Like, if, if the fans <laughs> were okay with it, this guy might be back running things because Dolan likes familiarity. He likes guys that are loyal to him. He likes guys that he doesn't have to worry about. And I guess Mills and Houston and maybe now even Rambis have, have proven themselves to be that, but... Again, it just speaks to the organizational dysfunction that James Dolan has to keep guys around, like has to, has to keep guys around from previous failed regimes just because they have friend relationships and he's keeping them in such high positions of power. It's not just the type of thing like, yeah, let this guy uh, oversee ticket sales or anything like that. It's let Alan Houston be the assistant GM and it's let Steve Mills still be the president of basketball operations. It's just none of this makes sense. It's not how a good team runs. And it shows that James Dolan just doesn't care about this team competing, being good, getting out of its way, stopping the mistakes they've made in the past. You would think he learns, but 17 years now and he just simply does not learn. No, no. And I agree. I agree. Also, sorry, I agree with the point you made that we're giving we're giving David Griffin a lot of benefit of the doubt here, assuming that he does deserve this kind of power. But anybody that you'd put in this position, you're not putting them in a position to succeed by doing what the Knicks want to do here. No, absolutely, you're right. Like I, I just wanted to make the point that we're like we're, we're all crowning David Griffin without really with with just the evidence that he gave LeBron James a like, good enough pieces. Do you know what I mean? But um, it's just weird. You know, I, we talked about this before with James Dolan, it's weird because I do find his, and I know like a lot of it is for him. It's not necessarily for Mills or Alan Houston or, or Rambus, but I do find his loyalty to people somewhat admirable. And I know it's not him doing it out of friendship for them. And it's more so for him. You know what I mean? I know that, but like in, in, a, in sports, like guys like come and go out of front offices, like every four or five years, like very few guys are there. Like, Matt Lyon. C. Mills has been there forever. Do you know what I mean? And uh, maybe that that's his thought process. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing here, and I'm trying to do the the positive spin devil's advocate. Maybe that's like that should be part of the allure for somebody coming in here and be like, well, you know, if I if, if me and James Dolan hit it off, I could be here for 30 years and don't have to be good all the time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that's what he's proven. That's what it says. And the, the thing, you know, the report was that David Griffin wanted to bring Trent Redden with him, who's one of the more widely respected assistant GMs around the league. I mean, just like, what coach would you ask to come in and coach a team and keep somebody else's coaching staff? What front office would you say you can't bring your front office guys with you? It just, it's not, it's not how things work. It doesn't set anybody up for success. And I know I'm repeating myself, just, 
it, it's baffling. It's baffling that this team could be so consistently stupid. And I know that that's one of like it's not a fair criticism to say you're stupid if you don't agree with somebody's <laughs> decisions, but this is dumb. Like this is just flat out objectively dumb of the Knicks. And year after year, they just they pass on good leadership to to go with what's familiar and what what, what works for Dolan and. It doesn't work for the team. It doesn't work for the NBA. He's he's such a disaster. I can't take it anymore. I know. It stinks, buddy. But the, the good news here is he's probably going to have a new album coming out. Yeah, he might. JD and the Straight Shots, look out for that. Uh, they had a song about Trayvon Martin, I know. And uh, that's that's the only thing I know about him and his band. So, woo, JD and the Straight Shots. I read a thing, I read that piece on Deadspit about him and JD and the Straight Shots and uh, that they kick people out like if they don't think they're good. I'm trying to think who it was. It was somebody at SB Nation within the last month. I think they went on draft night or so to to his concert and asked him a bunch of questions, and he was like, he he got kind of pissy about it. Surprise, surprise. Mm-hmm. It's just, oh, my gosh. Like, there wasn't even enough time to be upset about the Tim Hardaway thing before this came out. It's just they sideswipe you so bad with terrible – news and they barrage it they hit you so much that you can't keep up they're like the donald trump of uh nba organization they sure are all right joe let's but don't cower in fear at this point only our cool listeners are listening yeah let's stop doing the next thing because i could go all day on that and it's just not good it's not a good way to start your day so uh thanks james dolan yeah thanks a lot mills and alan houston all right, let's let's cool it with the hot takes on the Knicks, and instead let's have some hot takes on young players who may or may not play in the NBA. Joe, Summer League started a little over a week ago, but it really got going this weekend when the Las Vegas Summer League tipped off. I mean, Utah tipped off last week as well, which was fun because we got some Sixers action and some Celtics action, which means we got to see Jason Tatum, we got to see Markel Fultz, we got to see all your favorites, your boy Jalen Brown is back. Joe, let, let's start talking about Summer League with some of the things that we've been impressed with. Why don't, why don't you start? Oh, well, Summer League. Things I've been impressed with. Well, Jason Tatum's looks really good. Um, he's still, he doesn't look like fundamentally sound, which is weird, but he's like, and I know yesterday, last night's game, he wasn't like exactly fire. But uh, he's making like a lot of jumpers, like a lot of tough ones. Um, they're, they project him to play some of the four. So, uh it's, it's pretty amazing how quickly, I know it's only Summer League, and you have to do the old relative to the Summer League um, stuff, but he looks like he's adjusting really quickly, uh, really fast. Um, Jamil Warney looks guy great. Gets buckets in, guy gets buckets in mid-range, this guy. That's all I want to say. Jason uh, Tatum, like, they, they made such a big deal about his pull-up jumper and his mid-range. It's true. He gets buckets there. Yeah, our boy Jamil Warney looked great until he was moved to the Clippers. Um, he's not really playing on the Clippers, but when he was on the Mavericks, double-double monster. Um, and I don't want to go any further without mentioning our friend Bryn Forbes, who's had, like, two 30-plus point games already in the Summer League, which is absurd because, like, nobody plays more than, like, 26 minutes. He's leading Vegas in scoring up to this point, your boy Bryn Forbes, at 26.5 points per game. Him and Brandon Ingram were, like, the two top scorers that we saw over the weekend. So, yeah, shout-out to Bryn Forbes. Maybe playing a big role with the Spurs, depending on who they're able to bring back. Still waiting on a Jonathan Simmons free agency decision. So, yeah, shout-out to your boy, Bryn Forbes. Uh, I, I just mentioned Brandon Ingram looked really good, I thought, in, in his first game, even though it ended with leg cramps, so he's shut down for the rest of the summer league. But 
In a game where there was so much attention on Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram kind of just came out and reminded everybody that he was the number two pick last year and that he's obviously going to be another Kevin Durant one of these days. So uh, <laughs> shout out to Brandon Ingram looking good. I, I just brought it up and we can get back to guys that we've been impressed with. But I did want to talk about Lonzo Ball a little bit and kind of the hype of Summer League. Obviously, you're going to get the guys out there who after one game say this guy's going to be great or this guy's going to be a bust. And Lonzo Ball wasn't very impressive in his first game. I don't know if it was just too much going on around him. I don't think it's that he's not a good basketball player, but he went 2 of 15 from the field in that game. Like, what do you go? 1 of, 11. one of 11 from 3. Had a whole lot of air balls, which, I mean, it's it's going to happen. But I, I thought that the energy was something crazy that night. And I don't know if it's Lonzo. I don't know if it's LeVar. But when Summer League becomes such a big topic, I mean, I think you kind of have to look at it and say, this is good for the NBA. And I, I have want to give that credit to LeVar Ball, who... You know, he's doing LeVar Ball things after the game. He's getting interviewed and says, this was Lonzo's worst game ever. It's all up from here. It doesn't matter how he played. Just feel the electricity, which was backed up by them selling out. I mean, Las Vegas, I don't think they've sold out in like five years. And they sold out Lonzo Ball's first game. Was that impressive to you? Do you not care? Is this just hype machine that's going to go away soon? I mean, what what do you think of of Lonzo Ball's first NBA experience. Well, a couple things first, because I, I don't want to just give all the credit for us all ground Las Vegas, Lamar Ball. Um, the Summer League's been growing in popularity pretty rapidly. Like, I'd say about the last three years. And uh, because it's becoming more of a thing. Like, it's a legit, like, the NBA, like, I remember, like, we, I think we talked about this before. It used to be Ed Warner standing in, like, Terrell Owens' grass. And now it's, right. it's all the NBA stuff. Like, the NBA's grown massively and owns... Much more of the calendar. The summer league's a part of that. And uh, um, as far as Lamar Ball goes, uh, I'm starting to turn on him, Jared. I am. Oh, I, what's I, going on? I don't. I don't know. Like he's not changing anything he's been doing, but I think I just I had my fill. I'm. He's, I've been oversaturated. I go to ESPN.com to look at something. First seven thousand things are about Lamar Ball, and I Lonzo Ball is my favorite prospect out of this draft class. And because of LeVar Ball, we're going to have uh, every other game. We're going to have that LeBron James thing. Like, we're, every other game, we're going to critique it. It's going to be like, if he had a bad game, worst player ever. If he had a good game, Hall of Famer. You know what I mean? And I just, I'm not down with it. I'm just not ready for it. He just needs to, man, I don't know. It's sad. I, I think, I hope when the college season starts and his other son's at UCLA, he goes back to over there. But he, nobody really gives him attention at UCLA. I don't think the NBA news cycle wants a year-round LeVar Ball thing. I think that this is a novelty still, and it hasn't worn off. That That's kind of where I'm going to go with it. And obviously, I've gone through my stages of... They of still bleach. do Tim Tebow all the time. These people don't know when to stop. <laughs> yeah, Tebow's a little more compelling than LeVar Ball. LeVar Ball, look, I mean, LeVar Ball was the parent who told it how it is and was flamboyant and just over the top. We really haven't seen that in sports not not to the extent that we've seen LeVar Ball. So he is a little bit of a unique character in sports, and I think that that has kind of been wearing down a little bit. With that said, I mean, he built this hype, and I think it's the type of thing where we just needed to see, you know, the, the first few stages. You know, we needed to see the draft, and now we needed to see Lonzo's first summer league game. And obviously the beginning of the NBA season, there will be a little open more eyes on LeVar Ball, but this is obviously the type of thing, even Michael Jordan playing minor league baseball is a shtick that's going to get old. You know, that's not the type of thing that you care about that long, and I know media coverage was different 25 years ago than it is now, but I, I don't think LeVar Ball is really here to stay with 
Lonzo with the NBA and that people are going to care that much. I mean, there's just there's minimal stuff to care about in the NBA right now. So I think he kind of there's a ton of stuff to care about the NBA. There's not, though. I mean, look, the, the big free agents are signed. The big trades are done for the most part. There isn't another shoe that you're really waiting Summer for. Summer League's draft. happening, so you're going to wait 12 seconds after big free agency's done, and then they'll be like, all right, let's go tackle the bar ball again. But that's what it seems like it's been. During the down periods of the NBA, it's been, let's check in with LeVar Ball to see what's happening with him. And I think he's kind of answered the call. I think he's been entertaining for it. And I think people tune in, whether or not like it matters or he's good or anything like that. People just seem to keep tuning in to, to watch the circus that he's involved in. Nobody's I turning think- in to watch the circus. I think they're, 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 it's force-fed. I think the people sold, I think the Vegas game sold out for Lonzo Ball and the Lakers, not because anything to do with LeVar Ball. Here's the thing, Joe. I think that LeVar adds to the Lonzo hype, though. Like, look, the guy the guy was the number two prospect, a top whatever prospect you want to say. You mentioned he's your favorite guy in this rookie class to look out for. There's so much that Lonzo has created on his own merit, and I'm not taking that away from him. I just think it's the type of thing where we like wrestling in our sports. Brock Lesnar's a lot of fun. Brock Lesnar does great things. Paul Heyman hypes him up and makes it something else that, you know, you're glued to because... Now I hate this Paul Heyman guy. That that was a bad analogy. I don't know. I, I do think that LeVar has added fuel to the fire for Lonzo, and that's why you get the hottest hot takes regardless. I mean, re- regarding Lonzo, because LeVar has been hyping him up so much, and you want to see this because you still get people out there who want to say, your kid sucks to LeVar Ball and don't even care about Lonzo for who he is. There's just an added element here that I think LeVar is responsible for. I'm not saying he sold out Summer League, Lonzo sold out Summer League. Lonzo is the exciting guy. Lonzo's who's, who we're going to look out for. But I do think LeVar adds to it. I ain't ever lost. <laughs> it's, 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 it's wild, and I thought it was really stupid and dumb at first. But I, I, don't, I, I see what you're saying about him being force-fed. I think that's part of it. I think people keep taking the bait, though, and that, that it just adds another layer to it. it just, that, that's kind of how I felt watching over the weekend, you know, watching Friday night even with, with the spectacle Lonzo has a bad first game, comes out and gets a triple-double in the second game. Have you had any thoughts on, on what he's done so far, or is it just kind of summer league with not getting uh, crazy? His, his defense looks awful. Yep. Um, I'll tell you that. I'm not worried about his shooting. Um, he's, he, he's clearly a great passer. Uh, I am concerned about his defense. But it's just summer league. Two games in, I'm not going to freak out. But if, I, if, if, if I'm forced to pick one thing, it's not the shooting. It's not his great passing. It's not... Anything else, uh, he's rebounding better than I thought he would, by the way. But uh, his defense is pretty atrocious. For sure. Sticking with some of these rookie guards, Dennis Smith had 25 points in his summer league debut. Looking pretty good. Saw Nick's Twitter freaking out about that. Also was impressed this weekend by Darren Fox, who just seemed to get to the basket at will every time he wanted. Uh, He's just so quick, that guy. And he's fast in the NBA, too. Surprise. Joe, what do you think of your boy Donovan Mitchell, who you recorded a special video about? Oh yeah, special video. Um, I think he's great. Promote yourself, bro. Yeah, so I'm gonna be doing these videos where I talk <laughs> for a couple so, minutes. So, so Don, what was Donovan Mitchell's on Utah? Utah played the Sixers, yeah. I think, in like the second night of the Sixers of the the Utah Summer League. Everybody's freaking out. Donovan Mitchell's gonna be better than Markel Fultz. Joe, where do you stand on that hot take? Well, I liked him really a lot going into the draft, like a ton, like more than most. Um, six foot three, six ten wingspan, forty and a half inch vertical. He's great. He's gonna be a great defensive player. 
we talked about this before the draft. Like, we hate player comparisons, but he's like an Avery Bradley type-ish already. Not, he's not going to be already as good as Avery Bradley, but you know what I mean. And uh, the only thing that's really wrong with this game is his jumper, and apparently he's fixing that and he's doing that in quick fashion. And uh, yeah, he could be he could be really really talented, like wildly good. So yeah, I'm I, I'm I'm excited. It's it's positive uh, signs, but uh, he still needs to work on his game. He still needs to be consistently great, great uh, consistently better shooter. And sample size, of, like whatever, he had three games in Orlando or whatever else, and then a couple more now. Um, sample game, five games isn't a great sample size. No, it's not. Uh, it's not a great sample size for any of these guys. But I, I was impressed with Mitchell. Maybe not as impressed as some of the other folks were, but I, I thought he looked good. There really hasn't been anybody that I've seen so far of the the young players who I haven't really been into. Even Josh Jackson. I mean, the way he was getting to the basket in the couple games that I got to watch him play, I was really really impressed with. Uh, your boy Sundarius Thornwell had a couple big games too. That was fun to watch. Anybody that you've been, uh, you know, not impressed with Joe, or anybody that you've watched play and been like, "Ooh, this guy might be tough for this guy." Well, not tough with. This is a second second year summer league player, Jalen Brown. Um, he does so many things well, except shoot the basketball. That's that's kind of sucks. That's my analysis. <laughs> that's fair analysis. Uh, our boy Shavano healed. I haven't been overly impressed with his shooting in summer league. You would just figure. After having the rookie year he had, he might light up the summer league, but he hasn't been great. Uh, no, nobody else that I've really noticed in a bad way. Just just been fun to watch. Fun to watch Scal Labasari look pretty decent. I definitely didn't say his name right. Joe, I'm taking after you. I've gotten bad at saying names now. What's going on? It's, it's okay. That's why you just got you just got to you know like say Scal really confidently, and then just kind of lower your voice as you attempt the last name. <laughs> Scal loves it. Yeah, Scal Labasari. We'll definitely get back to Summer League after there are a few more takes on it. Kyle Kuzma. Kyle Kuzma looked pretty good, man. One more guy I want to say I've been impressed with, Jonah Bolden, who Coles Wicker spoke about when we did our uh, NBA draft preview. The kid from Australia who got drafted by the Sixers. He's kind of a big man who had character issues, but the Sixers took a flyer on him. Defensively, he's been all over the place, blocking shots, getting steals, knocking down a couple threes. He's going to be an interesting player, I think. I agree. That's, that's my take. All right, Joe. <laughs> that's let's just... my take. That we should make that into a segment. That's my take. Say it in the nerdy voice. That's yeah. my take. <laughs> All right, let's finish the show with some absurd questions. <laughs> I want to go first today. I feel like it's whoever jumps in first to say that <laughs> yes. go first, so I win. Uh, I hate to be to be stealing content, but I kind of am a little bit. Oh, no. I woke up this morning and saw my favorite NBA analyst, Michael Rappaport was interviewing big three players, and he was asking them if he thought the top players in the big three uh, could beat the top players in the NBA Summer League. I think that's a really dumb question. My question is, in any format, could the best big three players beat the worst Summer League players? So it could be half court, it could be full court. I can't imagine those guys are going to want to run full court with uh, Summer League young guys, but you think they have any shot if you were to get, you know, say, Richard Lewis, and uh, I don't even know who's good. I don't know. Anybody, Joe, what do you think? The very worst three summer league players? Like, would, like say it was like, uh, no, man, I, I want to say no. I mean, it's got to be position specific. Like, you can't just take, th- Mar- you can't take three Marshall Plumleys and make them play against, you know, Richard Lewis and uh, well, Mar- Three Marshall Plumleys would still win. <laughs> so then the answer is yes. 
The answer is no. The, big the answer is yes for the Summer League guys. Oh, yeah, the Summer League guys. Yeah, big three, no. I mean, they're all – I don't even want uh, – It's I an absurd it. question, Joe. Michael Rappaport's an idiot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> listen, I don't I don't want to just – these people are going to be like, oh, yeah, well, of course, like, because they're going to think of the, all the big fancy names in the big three. Does, does anybody still watch the big three? No, no. The drop-off that they must have had, I didn't see the ratings. I didn't see uh, a tweet about it. I didn't right. see nothing. Dude, I didn't see anything, like nothing. I was looking for it the night of it, too. Last Monday, I was looking for Big 3 coverage, and I saw nothing. Yeah, so who called that? This guy. Good job, Big 3. You're, the, yeah. the basketball tournament's been fire, by the way. I don't know if you've been paying attention to that. I have not Bayheim's Army yesterday in a big victory in double overtime. How did Malachi Richardson play? By the way, I love that you brought up Malachi Richardson, your freaking uh, Donovan Mitchell post. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't know how he's been playing, to be honest. I haven't watched a ton of the Kings Summer League. Um, I'm imagining that well. we got to get him on the podcast. <laughs> he's never going to come on. He hates me. He should hate you. You're a jerk. I'm uh, not a jerk. Question, I think, I think, by the way, in the when I mentioned Malachi Richardson, in the, I was very fair, I think, by just saying, like, hey, like, he just didn't make, he didn't create shots this year. He's just made a couple tough ones, and he's not really a transferable uh, transferable skill set. I tried to find the last King Summer League game to see what Malachi Richardson done real quick on the fly. Malachi Richardson didn't even bother starting. What a jerk. Uh, did he play? He didn't. He was a, did not play coach's decision. <laughs> I told you he'd be out of the NBA before his career even got going. All right. All right, Joe, what's your absurd question for me? Yeah, Snotty, that guy's going to be fire. Um, who who win in a fight? Joe does not forget. Oh, no. Well, well, I don't want people that never watch college basketball coming at me when I say, like, hey, this guy's not actually as good as you guys all pretend. Who did win in a fight? A dinosaur of your choice or a, or a robot from Pacific Rim? But the robot Pacific Rim can't shoot lasers. They're just fist fighting. I think the robot from Pacific Rim, aren't they, like, made out of metal? Metal or steel, I imagine. I doubt they're made out of, like, plastic or fiberglass. I'm going to... I'm going to throw down a take right now that I don't know if anybody's ready for. I'm ready for because I think, I think I'm... Oh, wait, I don't, what? Think were, I don't think dinosaurs were good fighters. Whoa, I thought you were going to say that I thought Pacific Rim was good or... or... Oh, I, di- I didn't even see Pacific. So. Oh, Pacific, it, it was good. You don't think dinosaurs were good fighters? No. Wait, well, all right, so, like, on the animal scale, what's, like, your top fighter? Probably a... Like a lion, a tiger? Yeah, probably a lion, probably a lion. So, like, where would you have the dinosaur ranked, like, where would it be between? Would it be, like, below... A cheetah, but, like, above, uh, like, a walrus? I mean, here's the thing. Like, are we, like, we have to do pound for pound. Like, it's got to be, like, all other fighting, so you can't really put it no, in dinosaur. No, no, in nature, there's no pound for pound. We go, we go, we go hunt fish that weigh, like, eight ounces. We, we, we kill fish by the ounce. Right. So, yeah, dinosaurs would have still eaten fine in modern days because they're so much larger than everybody, and I mean... What what is it? Uh, Stegosaurus in them? Like they'd be messing stuff up with their tails. Like they'd still be fine, probably if they're real, if they existed. I don't know. You got to ask Carl Everett. But um, I take Pacific Rim easily. Easily. What do you think? Yeah, I would take Pacific Rim as well. Although you do have the, the human element here. Like the Pacific Rim robots are piloted by humans. Um, if they're having a bad day, maybe the T Rex could take them. So I don't think it's a clear cut. Pacific Rim uh, robot win all the time, but like I think seventy percent of the time they would win in this fight. Mm. 
fist fight though. I mean, it's like a mouth fight. What would you if you if I hear I I better quick because I know you have to get called. Just do this one real quick with me. If you had to pretend, like, believe in one conspiracy theory and kind of like talk about it every day as if you really believed it, would it be that dinosaurs weren't real or that the Earth was flat? Oh, dinosaurs. Definitely dinosaurs. So but I. I mean, here's the thing. Here's the thing. There's bones, though. Like, there's bones. There's kind of proof of dinosaurs. Yeah, but you could be like uh, some people and say they were planted. And why were the owl found at a certain specific period of time in the back well, of the I day? Mean, you're right, you're right, you're right. If you have to choose... It's a lot easier to get that one than to to say the the world is flat. Sorry, Kyrie Irving. Yeah, Kyrie. All right, I think we made a podcast. Uh, we did. <laughs> I got a little distracted. Robert Randolph of uh, Friday Night Knicks game has been uh, going off on Twitter about the Knicks being good. He also referred to Andrew Wiggins as LeBron's Pippin. That's a good take. Jesus, man, Jesus. All right, Joe, you were right. We did record a podcast. The Knicks are nicking all day long, and it's never going to stop. This is just what they do. So shout-out to all my friends who are Knicks fans. And even if we're not friends and you're a Knicks fan, shout-out to you. Just don't defend them. Don't be one of those people. Anyway, you can follow me on Twitter at Hoops. Catch my basketball writing at FanRickSports.com. Have a great week, y'all. Joe, tell the people where they can find you. On the mean streets of Twitter, at Joseph Nardone, N-A-R-D-O-N-E. And you can also find my internet scribblings at FanRickSports.com. What about the videos? Tell oh, bump the, the cutter, baby. Keep your eyes on my Twitter. I'm my sexy mug and my barely able to form sentences orifice. We'll be on Twitter every once in a while speaking words. Joe, you look like you bulked up, man. Like, you got fat. No, I got fat. <laughs> <laughs> I got chubby. All right, good guys. You're like the third out. person to say that to me. Thanks a lot, Jared. Go check out Fat Joe on Bump the Cutter. I mean it. You look like you bulked up like in a in a like uh, bulking season. Like you're you've been uh, maxing out on all of your uh, your weights lately. <laughs> well, it's not in a good way. There it is. We'll see you guys on Friday. All around me are familiar websites. Worn out clickbait. Worn out. Hot takes, bright and early for the daily link dumps. No one's clicking, no one's clicking. Their pupils are filling up their pockets, but not for writers, not for writers. Hide my head, I want to do a slideshow. No tomorrow, no tomorrow, and I find it kind of funny, I find it kind of sad. The internet in which I'm worthless is the best I've ever had. I find it hard to tell you, I find it too hot to take. When people blog in circles, it's a very, very mad world mad